0: Radio Pulpit, 657 AM, your daily companion. There's nothing, my family, more beautiful than listening to a language that you love. Uh, in melody That was a lyrical ensemble Absolutely beautiful sounds uh, Of music A uh, track titled The Blessing With Litsa Katza uh, And that's taken from her album Die Geleid van Genanda And before that Anna has dropped us a voice note uh, Or rather Anne Grace Has dropped us a voice note Just requesting the t- uh, title And song um And artist of uh, the song That we played before that one And before that We had I Love You Lord With Lionel Peterson Uh Now if you've been in the Christian space for a while you will know exactly who Well, Lionel Peterson is an amazing worshipper, led worship at Raymer Bible Church for years, Uh, and indeed may his soul just continue to rest in peace. Uh, And that brings us to 48, uh, 42 minutes after 4, my family. It's now time for us to cross over to conversation. Absolutely excited and uh, truly honoured this afternoon to be catching up with the Honourable Deputy Minister uh, for uh, the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure, Ms. Bernice Swartz, who joins us now on the line following her call for contractors to officially and legally commit to durability and quality of work. This comes at the back of oversight visits to the Dr. Kenneth Kawunda District Municipality as part, of course, of the district development model. uh, And an Imbizo, uh, wherein she made this call, uh, was held in one of those districts. Now, we welcome uh, the Honourable Deputy Minister on the line. Deputy Minister, good afternoon to you, ma'am, and thank you so much for giving us your time. You're welcome. Uh, Thank
1: you very much, and good afternoon to you and good afternoon to your listeners.
0: Now, Minister, before we get into, Deputy Minister, I beg your pardon, before we get into our conversation, uh, we've got a tradition here on the program that uh, if you're joining us for the first time, even if it's not your first time at Radio Pulpit, but if you're joining the program for the first time, we've got a tradition, and uh, this is how we'd like to welcome you. (laughs) Yay. This is us saying you're absolutely welcome. Uh, thank you indeed for giving us your time. Now let's get straight to the matter. Uh, Deputy Minister, uh, somebody may be joining us this afternoon and does not necessarily know what the official mandate of the department is. Do you, would you like to just take us through the, the, the official mandate for the department? What exactly does the Department of Public Works look after?
1: Uh, as the Department of Public Works, we are the landlord to government and we are also the custodian of bulk infrastructure rollout.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we are also the custodian of 88,000 properties that uh, belong to government. Mm-hmm. And also as well, the custodian and the policy holder of the extended public works program. Mm-hmm. We spend 20 years next year.
0: Oh wow! It's been that long already. I remember when it was launched many, many years ago. Uh, let's come back to the to the matter at hand, uh, Deputy Minister. You are currently, or you have been visiting the Dr. Ken, Kenneth Kaunda District uh, Municipality. What prompted uh, these oversight visits?
1: Okay, um, I'm the DPM champion mm-hmm. for Kenneth Kaunda.
2: Mm. The
1: president appoints us ministers and deputy ministers to all district municipalities. And I am um, appointed as the district development uh, model champion for Dr. KK kaonde
2: mm.
1: Now, my duty is that the executive mayor in the district, together with all the local municipality mayors, we form the GDM team, mm-hmm. which of course then also comprises of the technical teams from the municipalities and the district municipalities. Now, the district development model um, has got within its component what we call the one plan. The one plan meaning that the district municipalities then work with province, um, provincial departments and the national departments. Department. Now, my role as the DDM champion is that I facilitate and assist the district in what they want to achieve in terms of long term and long goal projects mm. which uh, render services to the community. For example, they would be wanting to uh, upgrade and look at the railway which runs across uh, the district in mm. Dr. King. So that would become a project that assists them to generate income as mm-hmm. a municipality because they would then form part of the transi- the just transition from road to rail because the rail runs throughout the district. Now, if they want to interact with uh, Transnet or they want to interact with SunRail um, because they would want SunRail to maybe help them with the road. Mm-hmm. So we went out and we looked at the road. And um, they are wanting to move from tarred roads to paved roads. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason for that is that a paved road would have a longer durability for years and also the lifespan of a road that would have been done with paving will be a, a, a road that lasts for years rather than a tarred road that would, uh, after five years, uh, need again to be uh, redone. Uh, so, so those are the type of projects we are looking into so that is uh, mainly what the TDM program looks at. It looks at improving service delivery, Mm -hmm. but uh, working with all the spheres of government and not being disjointed at any time in terms of delivering projects.
0: All right. Now, Minister, obviously, I think what we've what we've uh, learned um, over the past few years as a country uh, is that multidisciplinary teams uh, tend to help indeed in providing services uh, to our communities. What are some of uh, the? What is your reading as you as you've been travelling the district um, during this visit? What is your reading of some of the problems, perhaps even the cause of those problems, and some of the solutions that could be available in bringing different stakeholders together?
1: Now, what I looked at is that, for example, we went to a road where they were catching potholes. Hmm. Uh, what we raised on that visit is that. Um, I think that patching of potholes also needs to be done properly and planned properly. It also looks at the methods of what they're using, because they were using cold asphalt in patching the potholes. Now, the disadvantage is that you can't seal off the pothole properly using cold asphalt. But if you were using hot asphalt, you're going to be sealed off properly. Now, also, you then look at uh, the cost that when you bring cold asphalt you can just bring it with a a car you can bring it with a wheelbarrow and it's on site but when you bring hot asphalt you are now talking about a a truck you are talking about the infrastructure how to bring the hot asphalt so for me what i think is that we need a more professional in our district municipalities it's about professionals we are talking about uh, quantities of air engineers uh, in all the different spheres uh, uh, of engineering, uh, we need that as well. Because what must happen is that at a district, you mm. must have road that has got a sidewalk, that has got strong stormwater being uh, uh, built as well. Because without sidewalks, without those stormwater channels, you are not going to have a, a road that has a life that it's supposed to. Mm. Uh, because uh, when it's ready, you have a ocean, you have uh, uh, all those things. That then better. and with the type of climate we have now, mm. uh, the climate environment then has got huge impact in terms of what we call the built environment, the construction mm.
2: uh,
1: industry. So what I'm saying is that we need to go back to the drawing board and plan properly, bring all the the the, 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 the different professionals on board, and also that. We must not hold things under pressure. If a road is going to take us nine months to build,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: we can see that we are going to go over nine months, we must not then rush, rush, and say that uh, this project is supposed to be done in nine months. We must be able to say, no, we need an extension. And uh, why do we need an extension? No, because we want to do the proper thing that is going to last us 50 years. Mm-hmm. We want to build something that is going to last us 20 years. And uh, also that uh, we must uh, adhere to all the rules and regulations. By that, one, that we have the Council for Built Environment that regulates our professionals, right. which is pertinent to your engineers, everybody. And that there must be no municipality, no the uh, 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 streets, and even nobody must vote without verifying and checking where a quantity survey an engineer, a, a land
2: survey
1: mm. a register because some people might have studied, but they are not allowed to a, a, a render services because their practice number has not been renewed. And somebody might have graduated as an engineer but is not affiliated to the Council of World Environment.
2: Mm. But
1: mm. if thing goes wrong structurally in what they are doing, and nobody will be held accountable because you can't even account for that person. Mm. Now, I think that that's where we must go to, so that we start uh, uh, producing proper uh, roads, we start producing proper bridges, and whatever structure that we are constructing within uh, uh, the district municipalities and the municipalities, because indeed uh, the programs that they will have as DVM programs. Are programs that had a much needed services in the communities.
2: Mm. Because
1: where those projects come from, they come from the IDP, and we all know that IDPs uh, derives from the communities' IDP uh, voicing what they need and want as a community. Mm. Now, with the DDM coming into place, I think that it is a way in which uh, the president decided. This is how we are going to
0: accelerate service delivery and that all spheres of government work together and we don't work disjointed. Sure. Minister, Deputy Minister, let me ask this question. Um, so you, you you say that um, the uh, community, I'm not sure if it's the community or the municipality that has decided that instead of tarred roads, it would be better uh, for them to have um, uh, paved, paved roads who decides uh you know what type of infrastructure um is 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 put in place in a certain region is it do we, does the departments uh responsible respond to the need of the people or do they provide some kind of directive um and uh directive technical directive and 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 insight in that area
1: no it is both ways in this instance at dr kK it's the community based mm. in the IT things that they think that because of uh, the way the roads uh, don't last and, and the lifespan is so short in what they've seen, they, they have seen other areas that have paved roads and there is a, a smaller, shorter, kilometer roads that have been paved in Dr. KK, which the people have referred to. Mm. And uh, Dr. KK, the district itself, the executive mayor and her technical team and the local municipalities also feel that they have seen paved roads in other areas and they also agree that it lasts longer and they also equally are adding on that a paved road creates more jobs because even the lady on uh, Emtuana, she can also... Uh, uh, Participate and do paving for mm. uh, uh, you know, the child on the back, and it is not uh, uh, restricted to that because you. They also feel that the blocks will be produced locally uh, by the community, so the community can, uh, through the district, they want to open their own um, manufacturing uh, uh, um, factory. That Industries yeah. and the paving blocks. They even know that the paving blocks must be um the the size eight, which is more durable. So they have done a But also like I'm saying that the community is also now saying that they want paper and not tad because sure. uh yes.
0: Yeah. My family, we are in conversation uh, with Deputy uh, Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure, Ms. Benny Swartz, uh, and we're chatting all things uh, infrastructure this afternoon. I know that somebody was trying to give us a call. It is 0123341322 if you'd like to interact with the Deputy Minister this afternoon. 0826572729, that is your WhatsApp line. It's Radio Pulpit, five minutes before the top of the hour. Uh, let's, let's, let's look at the uh, – uh, before we finish this, matter a deputy minister surely if you are recommending a better way um, that is on the understanding that the current way may not necessarily be working as best as it could um, and so where there are gaps in quality service delivery how and who is held accountable and quite specifically, how do these contractors that have been building roads so far, how are they held accountable for uh, the work that is below standard, if at all?
1: Well, um, we do have um, uh, monitoring and, and evaluation, uh, uh, um, which is situated in the presidency.
2: Mm. But
1: uh, local spheres, we also have COCTA, which oversees our municipalities. mm mm-hmm. Um, what I'm going to try and explain is that if a contractor is there and they have produced work which is not up to standard Mm. because it is the quantity surveyor that must sign off work that has been done by the contractor for payment. Now for me what I know that that most of the time uh, quantity surveyors refuse to sign off work that has been shoddy
2: Mm. by, by
1: contractors uh, then uh, no longer want to complete a project because uh, they would be held accountable to say, you have not done proper so we are not going to pay you. But what I'm saying is that in each and every municipality and the chief municipality, we should have proper monitoring and evaluation, which does not only leave the task to the project manager and surveyor.
2: So we
1: need qualified people in monitoring and evaluation who, even after the quantity surveyor has submitted a payment certificate, Mm. say no, I am here to quality assurance check whether what you are saying is true. Because what you see on paper and what you physically see on site will always be different. Now, I am, that is the manner we need to look and check. Uh, so that um, we do not have uh, these type of disadvantages because you will also be aware and know that uh, contractors who default and contractors who have not done things by the book together with have been blacklisted and blacklisted contractors are no longer able to uh, deliver a service because uh, national treasury blacklists them. And mm. at the same time, uh, there is something that is practice with is consequence management so that if officials have colluded with contractors, uh, they are, it's not only the contractor that gets blacklisted, but they also are brought to the book.
2: It right.
1: also comes with um, uh, 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 what, what what, each and everyone must play their part. Because even as citizens, um, in the Inviso last week, when I was speaking with people from the community, mm. I said to them, you must also love the infrastructure that government gives to you because when you all wake up and there's a toy toy and there's a strike, you put and you take these big rocks and you have <laughs> to the hard road and doing all these things. Mm,
2: yeah.
1: Not looking after infrastructure as the as well. Mm. So I was also saying to them that it's both ways. Uh, we must provide a proper road for you, but you must look after the road. And mm. I said, even if you bring a paved road, you must look at the if there's a paving in front of your house. You don't say, I'm not going to sleep here and clean here because this paving belongs to
2: government, right? Each mm. mm.
1: citizen must adopt the pavement in front of his or her yard so as their
2: own, the,
1: mm. yes. And so, a doctor pavement uh, must become part of us.
0: No, no, we hear you, Deputy Minister. I don't want us to not to to complete this conversation without talking about the extended uh, public works program. Uh, we've seen how that was able to really boost the uh, economy, certainly the labour market, uh, with uh, with many many uh, with formalising some of the work that was already being done by communities. Uh, and it's uh, the, you say that it's uh, completing twenty years next year. Talk to us about some of the developments in that space. I mean, when it started. We used to see a lot of orange on the street. You know, it's, it's sort of no longer visible. What's happening in that space?
1: Um, in that space is that when the extended public works program was uh, introduced and launched, it was meant to alleviate poverty and to create uh, jobs within the community. Mm. When it started, to have uh, people saying that uh, a person will get a job for three days, for four days, for five days, that digging a trench for four days is a job opportunity, which, uh, well, of course, uh, started giving a lot of people work. Mm. But the program developed, so has the strategies around it developed, because us as the uh, National uh, Department of Public Works uh, oversee all the national departments, and then implementing um, EPWP and also through the provinces that the municipalities then uh, implement EPWP. But I think EPWP has evolved and uh, we are at a stage where uh, people who come on as EPWP participants, by the time they leave the program, they have qualifications in uh, different skills. For example, if there's a, a construction project, mm. all those persons will be registered with construction team, uh, through a training service provider. So, when people leave the project, people will have um, certificates in bricklaying. Mm, mm, mm. Level one, two, three, four, five, depending on how long the project is going to take. Uh, there are people, if there's a project and they are, they are painting, when people leave the project, they're going to leave it. As professional because we are saying that any EPWP program must have an exit strategy mm. and the exit strategy must be talking to them. When they leave the program they've got uh, qualifications from the different sectors, uh, whether it's um, in environment, whether they are cleaning the streams, they are uh, doing a, a landscaping but when they are done there they will have certificates because mm. we, we have got some a, a participants who have been in uh, programmes for landscaping for ten years. Now that person, when they leave that programme and they have got certificate, they can easily go into a database in, in, in the private sector and mm. are now able to provide services. So those people um, become economically viable and what is important is that they become part of the economy because they participate in the economy now as service providers themselves.
2: Mm, mm. Now,
1: like you are correctly saying, there used to be orange overalls everywhere. <laughs> people would be saying that um, they are matrambalalas. <laughs> <laughs> you cut the grass and then they are uh, seen, uh, sleeping under the trees and those type of things. But um, we have really moved because now people can even get qualifications through the um, environment seaters. In grass cutting.
2: Mm-hmm. But That's
0: amazing.
1: Not only that machine and uh, a hand cutting of grass, you also have the little green cards that they teach them what how to uh, cut the grass using that. So that person can then go to any place and say that I'm qualified, I can look after uh, the, the grass along the N4, along the N1, so I'm qualified. So they can go and provide a service there. And also that. Um, the PWT has changed the lives of people um, throughout the country. Mm. Um, some people look at a stipend of 3,000 rand as very little money, but the participants themselves uh, see it as something that changed their lives because they are able to uh, buy food, they are able to pay for cash, uh, they are able to uh, pay for uh, electricity and plus have their transport because you will see that normally EPWP participants don't have to travel that far because most of the time the projects are in and around their communities where they work. Mm-hmm. Now, um, at this stage where we are at, uh, what I have seen is that the EPWP program, uh, because we are now also working through Tibet colleges, right? participants are registered by the training service provided through ECTA. But at the same time, they can register with a Tibet college so that by the time they finish, because we are not just talking, these are not plans. We actually have participants who have graduated through Tibet colleges. Mm -hmm. We did a graduation of 163 participants in the Western Cape in June. Uh, Those people have qualified in uh, landscaping, in painting, in displaying. They have some of them even qualified in engineering because they joined EPWP because they were not qualifying to go to university mm. because of lacking of funds to go to university. But they then joined an EPWP program, and by the time they leave, they do have qualifications from a TIBET college, which means that those people are now called artisans. Right. So artisans are people that we need in the country because they have both. Theory and practical mm.
0: uh, uh, um, skills at the same time. Deputy Minister, let me let me let me ask um, the EPW program. Um, when you look at it holistically, uh, how would you evaluate its success? Uh, just looking at some of the targets when it started, uh, the progress over the years, and where it's at right now, how would you evaluate it? Uh, Have we done well? Um, Have we had problems in the mix? Uh, Has the overall labor infrastructure uh, been supportive to the program? How have we done in that program?
1: Well, I think that we have um, done very well Mm. because we are now in phase five of, of, of PWP. Where we are actually looking at um, revising the policy itself, which means Ah. that we have taken a step back and looked at ourselves to say EPWT is turning 20 years next year, so the policy can't also remain the same. Right. And um, I think that we have done very well because from the inception, where it was just a program for unskilled labor, Mm. where we are. where we are producing artisans, where we are producing people who actually now have certificates that talk to those type of work they would have done in a project that uh, eventually leads them to have uh, qualifications in, uh, in, in, in bricklaying, painting in grass cutting. Sure,
0: sure, sure. I think
1: they've done exceptionally well because if you look at the the number of job opportunities that have been created um, against the target that we had planned uh, even in the last financial year, Mm -hmm. I think that we have done very well because uh, you must remember that some of these uh, um, uh, participants who have now got skills in carpentry are people who never um, actually did carpentry anywhere, not even at school. So for the first time, they would do carpentry is on a particular project where they are putting cupboards and uh, they'll be aligned to a um, training seater and a chief at college. Now, I see somebody who was qualified as a carpenter and uh, can now do carpentry and it was never the intention to ever do it anyway. I think that we have done very well because at the same time we encourage people that don't choose and pick that you want to become this. But if you are on a project that is providing carpentry skills, hmm. go for
0: it. Go for it and <laughs> excel in it, yeah.
1: Go for it, excel in it. When the project is not is done and you think that you still want to continue with Tibet College, you need to do that because that is what we are encouraging. That if the eight modules and when the project ended you had you have five modules, go on and do the other eight modules because what we need uh, in this country, artisans and artisans which are skilled and artisans that we can say this is a boiler maker that we have produced. This is a plumber mm-hmm. that we have produced. Right. Because uh, the National Youth Service is also under us public works. Mm-hmm. Because the National Youth Service is not exactly like the extended public works program because there uh, people go in knowing that I want to become an artisan. But with the public, extended public works program, I think we have done exceptionally well because it was never the intention that when it started that would produce artisans. So I am saying that we have done exceptionally well because now we can actually find people and say these are graduates that come from a Tibet college having started by cleaning at the cemetery, by Mm. sweeping the streets, by um, cutting grass, but then at the end, the person becomes a fully fledged qualified uh, um, artisan.
0: Right. So, 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 I think I'd like to conclude our conversation, Deputy Minister, by just looking at uh, some of the infrastructure developments. And I know that uh, you've done uh, amazing work um, in some of the research and development work that has been happening around alternative energy uh, means for the country, and especially at this time when we are so in need to look at, uh, to look at alternative ways in which to keep our our country lit. Uh, so, let, let's take a quick break. Let me just allow you. Uh, an opportunity to take a sip of water. We will certainly come back and thank you Minister because we've kept you long be- uh, beyond the time that we had requested. Let's take a quick sting break my family. Uh, Deputy Minister of uh, the Department of Public Works is in conversation with us this afternoon. We've got a question coming through on 082657 which I will read out. Thank you so much Shalom J and of course you've still got uh, a question or two that we can uh, respond to 0123341 012334- one three am. For those who need encouragement, listen to us on our app or visit radiopulpit.co.za. Thank you for standing by, uh, Deputy Minister. Let, let's talk about some of the work that uh, is happening in infrastructure development. When we talk infrastructure, of course, we're not just uh, looking at just the bridges and the buildings and the roads. Uh, now we are at a point where the country is in need of energy infrastructure. The country is in need of network infrastructure. There's a lot of infrastructure that we need to start re-looking and looking at. Talk to us about that space and specifically the work that you've done in energy and alternative means of energy.
1: Um, thank you very much. I think that as the Department of Public Works, we have an interest in what happens in the uh, um, um, energy sector because we have 88,000 properties. Now, we being the landlord of government mm. have got on what happens with the load shedding in all those buildings where we have tenants which are tenants which are actually a government departments. Mm. Now, also looking at the different methods. Now, everybody is talking green hydrogen is well and good, but I think that for us in South Africa, um, the just transition uh, uh, from coal mm. to to uh, green hydrogen is going to take some time because we can't just get up in the morning and we have like one hundred thousand uh, people who depend on work in the mines. Mm. We can't just um, wake mm. up tomorrow and say we are co- closing all right. uh, the, the, the coal mines, we are closing all the coal power stations, because that is, would mean that we've got like about 100,000 people who would lose their jobs. Now, for us, what is important, what should happen is that how do we as South Africa carry out a just transition? How do we as South Africa skill our people so that people understand that one day, very, very in the long, 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 long future would then uh, start having green hydrogen uh, coming in as a source of energy. But by then, the more than 100,000 people, their livelihood depends on them working in the coal mines. How do we encourage them to say, you need to get a skill in this, you need to get a skill in that? Mm. We um, look at Saldana Bay. Um, yeah. Everybody, the whole world looks at Saldana Bay as this Um, where um, you can put up um, um, solar farms, you can pull up uh, um, wind farms you can do that but for me what is important is that us as ordinary South Africans in the street must understand what is green hydrogen Mm. we can't say that you separate oxygen then there's water then there's this because if you build a dam anywhere in South Africa in the rural areas where water is needed People will think that this is water for us. But then you are going to come and say, no, this dam is only meant for generating green hydrogen. You are going to have a lot of problems in South Africa, but you need to take South Africans along that. If you use green uh, fertilizer, the tomato is going to be weighing this much and it will be more sellable in the market. Mm. and that, So I think that those are the type of things that we need to take communities and not leave them behind. Sure. So hydrogen is here, but it won't happen now. But when, if and when it happens, um, if you talk to an ordinary person in the townships and you tell them that there's a green shop recycling, mm. they'll ask you, what is that? So you need to tell people that, okay, this is how you... Uh, recycle the ships, but this is how it happens. Now, I am saying that we um, have a lot to do, but I think that as South Africa, where we are now, mm. we have done a lot in terms of having done research for 15 years now in the um, green hydrogen uh, space. And I think that we are going to reach a level where we need to market ourselves properly as South Africa, because indeed and the whole world looks at uh, looked at looks at us as South Africa as um the world that has got all the infrastructure because if you look at in the Netherlands Cape we'll mm. If you look at them as well and you look at the harbour that they are going to construct now we need to um uh, prepare people to say, okay, EPWP, um, don't just look for working housing northern cape is going to be right. a huge harbor and this is what the harbor is going to do and this is what it entails to have a big harbor there will be uh, this and that so we are looking forward to the youth of south africa owning boats and ships because uh, in the near future we are not going to have trucks on the road mm. like all. Oh, because we are looking at a just transition from road to rail but if you look at other countries, I was recently in Denmark. Denmark is now using um, um, uh, um, the sea. Mm-hmm. They are actually even moving to do logistics um, uh, using uh, shops and boats.
2: Mm-hmm. So We
1: need to teach others that the green hydrogen error is going to come.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: might not even have a truck uh, uh, doing logistics. You need to go into the shop space so... We are looking forward to South Africa also one day having a a, a, a marine college.
2: Right.
1: A, a marine university so that uh, black people also under, must understand at some stage, the youth especially, that the money is in the sea. Uh, when you tell them that the money is in the sea, they must understand <laughs> that you too, as the youth, can own a wind farm. And when they ask what is a wind farm, you must be able to tell them that you can have. That generate uh, energy uh, you can have a uh, turbine that uh, measure the wind mm. and this is how it's going to generate energy and um, we should look forward to a South Africa one day having our own factories that manufacture our own uh, uh, solar PV right no we absolutely are not, uh, we are not importing solar PVs all the time but that uh the youth that will graduate at UJ, that will graduate at the Tivat College, and the Tivat College you, uh, will say, you UJ people, you only know the technology. We know practically how to do electrical engineering and engineering. So let us form our company um, to do this, to do that, because we need to build the next layer of uh, um, engineers, of experts. That will invent ways of producing energy and also take on the green hydrogen space so that uh, um, in uh, 20 years' time, we are also able to look back that there was once upon a time a load shedding and now it's a thing of the past. It is. If you look at China 20 years ago, China was in the same situation uh, as us South Africans where they were traveling with load shedding, but today they are the one of the best energy producers in the world. So us South Africans must also reach that stage, because if you look at Vietnam, where there were wars, but today Vietnam is having its own factories that are producing equipment, that is a, a producing ways of how you generate energy. Surely I think as a South African, cannot also be far behind, so... It is the youth that will look up to that can take
0: up that vision can take up that vision. Deputy Minister, this is where we absolutely must leave it. I, I, No words can explain just how much we appreciate the time that you have given us uh, as a community radio station certainly servicing communities uh, you know who are the first hand recipients of the services of government and so it means a lot when we can have officials uh, spend their time to chat to us to update us and to answer some of the questions that we have. Now before we let you go. Uh, Deputy Minister, here's a question that's coming through on the WhatsApp line. Uh, Blessings Ianda and uh, the Deputy Minister should, if we had to adopt a pavement, what then happens to the money that is paid to the municipality uh, to actually maintain uh, the pavement? That is the first question. Perhaps you can couple that, Deputy Minister, with uh, helping our listeners know and understand how does someone listening today uh, access the EPWP program?
1: Okay. On, on the first question on adopter pavement, remember that if this program now becomes official and uh, everybody knows that they've adopted the pavement in front of their yard, you would then need to come up with a way with the municipality that, okay, out of the taxes that these people need to pay. what is it that we give them as a rebate on them looking after the pavement because we are then assisting each other. How mm. Uh, that partnership can work because when you do a doctor pavement, you need to officially uh, introduce it and to say, okay, we, we, when you are looking after this pavement in front of your dad, and uh, this is, is, is what is going to happen. For example, you remember the city of Soberg once said, mm-hmm. uh, where it gives uh, people so much uh, liters of free water. and so oh, much I remember that. Mm-hmm. Electricity. Mm-hmm. So, some such an acronym can work in in, in, in in principle when you have a program of adoption payment. And with the EPWP program, EPWP program, people must uh, look at adverts and uh, look at uh, the websites of uh, different uh, municipalities and also the different uh, departments of public works and infrastructure in each province. And normally others use newspapers. Mm-hmm. Because remember that any project happens in the communities, whether it's a person of a high court, a school, of anything government, it, they always have the component of the Wp program. And uh, the listener that has asked the question must also do contact the award counsellor mm-hmm. to ask um, what WP programs are being run in their municipalities so that they are able to apply and access the the Extended Public Works Program.
0: Right, right, right. Minister, this has been absolutely amazing. Uh, it's only now that uh, the family is coming through with all the questions. I want to try and see if we can actually get one in. But if not, uh, let us uh, thank you so much, as Radio Pulpit, that you have given us your time. I do think that uh, the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure, uh, or rather the public, you know, we've not looked uh, enough uh, to engage the department, to be part of the, some of the programs that you have been doing over the years, the EPWP being one of those programs. Congratulations indeed. We hope to be part of those celebrations next year. But in the meantime, let's continue working. And thank you so much for everything that you do, Minister. Thank
1: you very much. And thank you to
0: your listeners. Deputy Minister, my family joining us on the line, uh, Miss Bernice Swartz who joins us from the Department of uh, Public Works and Infrastructure. I am only receiving, I think uh, it's Vusi coming through uh, on okay, Right. So if it is Vusi, then we're good. We're absolutely good. And so thank you so much uh, to uh, the Department and uh, the teams that ensured that the Minister was able to join us this afternoon. 23 minutes after 5, you will have noticed, my family, that we have skipped the news. Uh, I am going to go to the traffic now just to help you navigate the roads. And then we're going to get through to our program, uh, uh, Pastor Abraham Foss is still standing by uh, with an incredible instalment which begins today. Uh, we're starting with um, the law. We're starting with the law of first reference today. It's a series that's going to carry on, uh, I think, all the way through to the end of the year. But right now, twenty-four after five is your time. Uh, let's cross over to have a look at how we can help you navigate the traffic at this time. Six, Six five, five seven, seven a.m streams of blessings. Tune in to Radio Pulpit on 657 AM for reliable Christian talk radio at its best. Find your daily dose of Christ-centered motivation and encouragement on Radio Pulpit 657. Download our app now. Tune in to radiopulpit.co.za or find us on DSTV Audio 882 and OpenView 607. Radio Pulpit, your daily companion for more than 40 years, brings a relevant moral alternative to 400,000 listeners in a variety of South African languages. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and download our podcasts today. You and 657AM and Life, a winning team on the road to eternity.